Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. So last week, I went to Wizard World Comic Con with my dad and my daughter. Now, this is the third year we've gone, and uh, if you don't know me, um, you probably can't tell this by looking at me because I know I look like I know I look like GQ cover model. I look really stylish and cool. I'm a nerd deep down. Okay, really deep down at my heart, that's what I am. And uh, so we went to this Comic Con. My daughter loves to cosplay and dress up as game characters, and I mean it was just a blast. And you go, and people are people are dressed. It is crazy how dressed up people are. I mean this every every comic book character you could imagine. I mean there's like 50 Spider Men, Spider Mans. I'm not sure like the grammar for that, but I don't know what spider my like octopi. I I don't know. Either way, there's a ton of them just everywhere. People getting pictures taken all all over the place. It was just great. But one of the coolest things about Comic-Con is there are just celebrities everywhere. They bring them in and they have have panels with celebrities talking about their movies. And then there's areas where you can get autographs signed with celebrities or pictures taken. And it's just like, like every, like A to Z level celebrities, okay? And so like, I mean, there's like, okay, this is for some of the older folks, like Lonnie Anderson was at Comic-Con, you know, WKRP in Cincinnati. That was for Mike and Michelle, that's for you guys right there. Okay, so some of you guys are like, who? Um, Lou Ferrigno, the Incredible Hulk from the 80s uh, was there, tons of, of celebrities there at every level. But this was this is the coolest thing that happened. So we're walking at Com- we're walking through Comic Con and we're we're in this room and Zachary Levi walked in. Now, if you don't know who Zachary Levi is, he's the guy who played Shazam in the most recent Shazam movie. Maybe you watched the show Chuck. Um, he played Flynn Rider, the voice of Flynn Rider in Tangled. And so he walks into this room and we're there and. He starts talking to us, and it was the craziest thing. And so he literally, I'm there with Trinity, and I'm like, do you know who this guy is? She's like, oh, yeah. And and he's telling us, he told us about what it was like being entangled, and like they have a new Tangled series on Disney, then he's still in that. He was telling us about how playing a superhero was always his dream. I mean, he's just telling us this stuff was crazy. He literally, he told Trinity um, he, well, he told us how he had been, he used to smoke for like 20 years and he told Trinity, you know, don't smoke. It's terrible. You know, it was, it was crazy seeing this guy, but it was cool because at Comic-Con you're in this environment where you're just in the presence of celebrities. It, here's what was cool is that was Friday. And then on Saturday, the exact same thing happened to us with Jeff Goldblum, the guy who is in the Jurassic Park movies. And he's got like a new show coming up on Disney Plus, And he was, he was telling us about how he, his new show is going to be cool. and everything. It was, I mean, the craziest thing. But there's something about being in this environment where you can be in the presence of celebrities where they're accessible and available to you. That was just, it's just, it's the coolest thing. Now we're in a message series called If, and we're working through this passage of scripture where God makes this if-then promise to us. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, God says this. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. Now within this promise, there's a bunch of if statements that if we do something, that he will do something else. Week one, we talked about what that thing is, and that's, that's this. It's God's goal for us. His heart for us is for us to be a free people who are living in a healed land. That's what he wants. That's his desire for my life and for your life. He wants you to, to live a free life. 
He wants you to, to live in, in a land that's, that's healed, that live in restored relationships with, with each other and with, and with our nation and our world. That's his heart for us. And that's, what, that's the then of this statement. And we've been working through the ifs, and I think that it's kind of cool the, the if we land on today, especially when you're talking about being in the presence of celebrities, because the if today is really talking about being in the presence of God. And that's this, is that, is that if my people who are called by my name will seek my face, then I will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. Seek my face. So today we're going to talk about what does it mean, what does it look like to seek God's face and to get into his presence. Now, if you ever see this statement, seek my face, it, it's kind of like, it's a little Old Testament-y, right? It's kind of like, has some religious connotations. And, but it, it doesn't mean this. It's not like we're trying to figure out, you know, what God looks like. You know, it's, it's not like, you know, does God have high cheekbones? You know, that's not like, that's not the goal of this. What this really means here in the original language is when you see it say, seek my face, it really means seek my presence, so to seek being near me, to seek being around me, to seek being with me. And so when you see anything that says, seek my face in, in the Bible, uh, it means seek God's presence. And so what does that mean for us? And like, I grew up in church my whole life, and this is what I've always believed and always what I've been taught and what I've heard. That means that like, we need to be where he's at. If I'm going to seek God's presence, I need to be in the places where his presence is at, right? I need to be in the room. I need to be available where, where he is. So I need to like, I need to be in church. We were all here in a worship service. God's presence is here in church in our worship. And so if I'm here, I'm, that's, that's what we do, right? I need to be in those, those contexts and environments where God's presence is. Just like we were at Comic-Con and we were available in the, where the presence of these celebrities were. We need to be in the room where God's presence is at. So be in church. Be in small group. Be, be at our first Tuesday night prayer meeting, right? And that's the thing, is if we can be in those religious kind of church contexts, we can be where that religious stuff is happening, then that's the key. But if that's the key, I have some questions about that. And, and you know, logically, it makes sense. You know, I need, to, if, I need to be in the room where God's presence is going to be, and then, you know, I can experience it. But I do have some questions about that. And, and it starts with this, is that, is that isn't God everywhere? And if God is everywhere, wouldn't it make sense that his presence is everywhere? And if God's presence is everywhere, well, then why is this room any different than my bathroom? You know what I mean? So why, why is God's presence more available here than his presence is more available at the mall? Okay, and so that's, that's where my first kind of question starts, which, which then leads me to some more questions. Because if God's presence is everywhere, then, then why is it that even here in this context, why do some people experience God's presence more than I do. So like, I mean, I'm standing here during worship and like the person in front of me, it's like somebody goosed them, you know, I mean, they're like getting all the, the chili willies and the, I don't know, goose bumpies and they're like jumping up and down and, and giggling and screaming and woo, having a great time. And I'm just like, I mean, the music's good, you know, like why, why is this person feeling this, this experience or having this presence of God moment and I'm not, but I'm in the same room, and I'm, I'm here the same place where God's presence is. I don't, I don't totally understand that. It also raises another question for me, and that's this, is that if God is everywhere, and if his presence is everywhere, why is he so hard to find? Like, why do, why do I have to seek him? You know, it, why do I got to play hide and seek with a God whose presence is everywhere, uh, who I should be able to experience 
wherever I go. You know what? And I mean, really, why do we even need to seek a God whose presence is everywhere to begin with? Why is this a thing that we must do if God is everywhere and his presence is everywhere? Now, I think as I ask myself these questions, these questions actually kind of have, it makes God have a lot more in in common with Comic-Con than maybe I was talking about earlier because if I'm being totally honest about my Comic-Con experience, everything I said was true, but it may not have been the full complete picture of it, okay? Because while I was in the room that Zachary Levi walked into, and while he did tell me all of these things about himself, and, and you know, why, while we were communicating, um, it, it, it was a little different than what I, I portrayed. So bring this picture up. This is actually a picture of what it looked like when we saw Zachary Levi. Um, and so he did come into the room, but the room had 2,000 chairs in it. And uh, we were probably in the 15th or 16th row, okay? Now, this picture of him, it it was fun. It looks really good. I had maxed out the zoom on my phone to get it as close as I could, which is why it looks so crappy. But he did walk into the room that I was in. That, That was true. But he did walk out onto a stage that was probably 20 or 30 yards away from where I was. Now, again... Everything that he told me was true. He was telling me about his movie experience. He was telling me about Shazam and Tangled. He was just also telling hundreds of other people at the same time. Okay, that, it's true, but it, the, it was a little bit bigger context and environment than maybe I kind of described to you. And what's interesting about it is that, like, all of the pieces of relationship and the pieces of being in someone's presence were there, right? I mean, we were both in that same room for the same reason, We were both there on purpose. Like, he was there to communicate with me. I was there to hear from him, okay? We were both deliberately in that space on purpose. We were were trying to connect with each other. I mean, honestly, I think if there was anything that maybe might have been missing from my story compared to what I wished it would have been is that sense of eye contact. You know what I mean? That sense of like, I am with you, I'm connected. Because even though he was talking to me and talking to my daughter and my dad, there was none of this happening. And if I'm being totally honest, if I was going to, if I had to really describe what had kind of happened, it would probably be more accurate to say that I was around Zachary Levi more than I was hanging out with Zachary Levi. And I think that when we mistake being around God with hanging out with God, I think when we mistake proximity with God, with being in God's presence, I think that we miss out on one of the key things that he wants us to experience in a relationship with him. And that is a close relationship with him. I have no relationship with Zachary Levi. I was in a room with him. He was telling me stuff about his life, but I have no relationship with him. And I think that for many followers of Jesus, we live that same type of cycle with God. And maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus. You might be here, and you're not a Bible person, you're not a Christian, and yet you've been exploring this this idea of faith, and you've been exploring God, and what what would it mean to have a relationship with him? And you've fallen into the same trap that many a lot of followers of Jesus who are sitting in this room have fallen into as well, and that's this. If I just sit in the room, I should feel something. And if I sit in the seat, if I get in the proximity that something should change and I should feel this this connection. But the truth is, is that proximity is not the same as presence. And so for us, what is the difference between proximity and presence? And I would say this, it's the difference between 
Zachary Levi talking to me from a stage and me really connecting with him. And it's that sense of that, it's that eye contact. It's that, it's that connecting with God on a deeply, on a real, and on a personal level that goes beyond just being in the same space. And so to get that, I think we need to understand what does it mean to seek God's face? What, what, is it, what does it actually mean to seek after God's presence? I'm going to share with you a couple passages that kind of shed some light on that. And the first is this, Psalm 105.4. It says, search for the Lord and for his strength, continually seek him. So right out of the gate, like there's this sense that seeking God's presence, that there's this, this sense of, of it being a continual activity. That it's not just something that we, we accomplish, but it's, a, it's an ongoing thing. Now, I'll, just, I'll speak for myself, maybe not for you, but I never woke up and was just like, oh my gosh, you know what? I did it. I'm a perfect dad. I've perfected relationship with my children. Like, it's never going to get better than this. High five my kids. I've done it, right? That's just, that's never been a thing for me. I never woke up one morning and was like, Terry, come here quick. Oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this. But I'm a perfect husband. There's literally nothing more that I can do to love you better or love you more. I've nailed this thing. I've aced it. It's time to write a book. That, that has never happened to me. And the reason it's never happened is because relationship doesn't work that way. Relationship is an ongoing thing. And it requires this continual development, this continual kind of process of investing in. And a relationship with God is no different. Seeking after God is about seeking a, an ongoing and close relationship with him. And it means it's, it's just continual. It's, it's a choice, a decision that we make every day. Last week we talked about prayer, right? If my people will humble themselves and pray. And, and we talked about how God is, has, has kind of called us to pray without ceasing. That It's possible for us to live a life of prayer where we're in this constant, continual communication with God. And that means this. It means that like realistically that prayer doesn't always look like us being on our knees with our hands in the air because my knees can't take it and my arms aren't strong enough. Okay, that prayer at some level has to be different than that if I'm going to pray without ceasing. And that seeking God, it, it will also not look like that, that there's aspects of it that look different than maybe the religious aspects that we, that we think are seeking God. It means that I can't be in church 24-7 every day of the week. So seeking God is not a church activity but it's a continual, it's a life activity. Look what else scripture says. What, what, what even is it in 1 Chronicles twenty two nineteen? 19? What is seeking God? It says, now set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Set your mind, set your heart. This is an Old Testament passage. There's a New Testament passage. So it just covers the whole like expression of the Bible in Colossians 3. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then the apostle Paul who wrote this says, just puts it right out there. He says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So seeking God is this continual activity and it, and it, it starts and finishes itself in this focused thought, our, focusing our minds on God and setting the affections of our hearts on God as well. So it's a mindset. It's an attitude. Seeking God is almost a foundation for everything that follows, right? So to, to seek God's presence, to seek God's face means this, that every day when I wake up, I just orient myself around knowing him and being close to him and everything I think, everything I say, everything that I'm going to do that day, that my mind is set on him. Now, knowing that that, knowing that, 
that seeking God begins with a focus, a set heart, and a set mind on God. I want to just share really quickly six practical ways that we can begin seeking God in our lives. Now, for those of you like bullet points, like this is your day, right? So get your papers out and take your notes. Um, I'm going to share these things with you, and I just want you to know this too, okay? That many of these things are going to be a lot easier and maybe a little bit more fun than you expected them to be, okay? Because if seeking God is a matter of us setting our minds on him, it also means this, that that's, that's very freeing. Because that means that, that God is not like, God's not like Bigfoot hiding in the woods from us, okay? God's not trying to be like, oh, I hope they don't find me. Oh, you got me. That's, that's not his attitude in his heart. If seeking after God and seeking God's presence is a matter of us setting our minds and hearts on him, that means this, that God can be found. That means that like that eye contact that we're looking for with him, that means that he's already looking at us, waiting for us to get it. And, and, and instead, God's not Bigfoot, we are. Okay, the, the, the idea is that like... That, now it's about us removing the obstacles that are keeping us from seeing the God who is waiting to be found by us. God's not playing this cosmic game of hide and seek. He's not trying to make you prove how worthy you are by the amount of work that you do to try and find him out. God wants to be found by you. And so now our job is just simply this, to remove the obstacles, to remove the, the blind spots, to remove the things that are keeping our eyes from seeing God's eyes and making a connection with him. And so I've got six things that we can begin doing to seek God, to begin removing those obstacles and to really begin seeking after God. Okay, so you ready? Okay, number one. This one is like a little bit churchy, and so this is the most obvious, but I'm going to say it. Read the Word, okay? Read the Bible. This is, this is probably the number one best way that you can begin seeking after God and setting your hearts and your minds on Him. This is what John 1.1 says. It says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The, the Bible is God's revelation of Himself. It's this... It's his story, it's his character, it's his life. It's all in writing. So like if I ever, if, I, if someday when I do become a perfect husband and father, if I do write that autobiography of my life and someone is just like, you know what, Chris, just tell me about yourself. You know what I'm gonna say? Read the book, right? I already wrote that stuff down. Don't make me like, don't make me go through all of this stuff again. It's right there. And like, it's not like God doesn't wanna like share that with you, but in some ways, like John who wrote this, he's like, you know what you ought to do? Just read the book, okay? It's there. God gave us his word so that we can know everything about him. And so there's no better way to seek God's face and to set your mind and heart on him than to just spend some time reading the Bible. And you know what? Like I said, you're not a Bible person. Maybe you haven't been a follower of Jesus and you're not. Or maybe you just don't even know where to start. Do me, do me a favor. Don't start at Genesis. Like, don't turn to page one and start reading there. It's just a bad idea. It's, there's, and I'll, there's a number of reasons why reading the Bible like that way just doesn't work. Do this. Start with the book of John. It's just the story of Jesus. It's literally John, who is a friend of Jesus, writing Jesus' story down. And what's cool about it is that John starts this story of Jesus by saying, you know, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's all right here. And then at the very end of it, he writes this. He's like, I wrote down everything I could, but like, I doubt I could fill up every book in the universe if I told all the stories about Jesus. But then he also says, but this book is really all you need. Okay, so if you just read this book you would be fine. And so John says it, his own words. If you just got to read the book of John, start there. He says, if you just read this story about Jesus, good enough, you got it. Okay, so number one, 
one practical way to, to begin seeking God is read the word. Number two, okay, we're moving beyond the religious stuff, okay? Just, you might be a little surprised with this. The number two way that you can just begin seeking God, starting with the foundation of setting your mind and heart on him, that all of these come with that foundation set. But the second is this, spend some time outside. Go outside. Look at what Romans chapter one says. I love this. It says, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. And through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. That means this, God made lots of cool stuff, and when you just go hang out in it, and you look at it, and you experience it, you can experience God. It's there. It's available. When I was, uh, when I, we used to work, have our ministry center before we had this building, the Constitution Trail ran right by our office. And I just developed this habit of every day getting out on the trail, and I would spend a half an hour just walking up and down the trail. Now, granted, I would walk to Coffee Hound usually, and I'd get a drink. But, I mean, there were trees. <laughs> and, and, but if I'm being totally honest, some of those days I'd be walking, I'd be, like, I'd be praying and going through my prayer list. I'm like, you know what, God, help me, help me, help me with all of these things. But more often than not, I would just be walking down the trail in this like tunnel of trees and I'd just be looking up and I'd hear the wind blowing through the leaves and I would just be thinking to myself like, God, you're really cool. Like, this is cool. This is awesome. And like there's times where we're in awe of God with what he created, looking at the ocean or the Grand Canyon. You're just like, oh, that's incredible. It's amazing. And then there's other times where you look at like, like monkeys with the big red butts and you're like, that's just hilarious. And you're like, God, you're hilarious. Like, I, I love, you're just so cool. I I'm, t- I'm telling you, man, like God made stuff. And when we spend time in it, when you start with this foundation of setting my heart and my mind on him, you can experience him. There's a trail indicator. There's a state park and they have some hiking trails that I just discovered one time. And sometimes where I just need to get away and just like experience God's presence, I'll just drive to Decatur and I'll walk on those trails. I'm not like singing hymns and worship songs, and I'm not like, you know, journaling while I write. I mean, I'm throwing rocks, you know, I'm just, I'm kicking weeds, and it's amazing because I experience God's presence because I'm setting my heart and mind on him. So, dude, go outside. Just go outside sometime. Look at the stars. It's great. Number three, another practical way that you can begin seeking after God's face is to hang out with other people who are seeking him. Just hang out with other people who are doing the same thing. Matthew 18, 20 says that for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. That's Jesus saying that. So where two or three people are gathered together as his followers, he's there. So dude, like if you grab three or four of your friends and you want to go into your basement and play Dungeons and Dragons all night, like you can seek God by doing that, right? Because God is at the center of that. Grab your friend who seeks God and go play tennis. You know, whatever, it, it doesn't even matter. The fact is this, is that when you are connecting with someone who loves Jesus, you, you know what, your conversation may be super spiritual and super deep. It may totally skate the surface of that. But here's what's so great about it. It doesn't matter because when we as God's people just have our hearts set on him, on seeking after him, and and our minds are are set on his things. Like, you're playing video games? That's cool. God's there. He's present. You can seek God and experience him in those things. And I love that because hanging out with people is fun. Number four, and this one is is a little little weird, but I think it's there too because this is an experience I have. We can seek God's presence and seek his face when we appreciate man-made expressions of his beauty and his character. 
So going out in nature is way cool, right? And we can see all the things that God did and all the things that God made. But like, I don't know if you knew this. This may come as a complete surprise to you. But like in nature, like the grass is not mowed. Like, did you know that? That like in the wild, like grass is not just naturally short, that like weeds grow and that landscaping doesn't just happen. Like people do that. Did you know that? I mean, people do that. And like, here's, what, here's what's so cool about that. When I go to the park and I see like a well-manicured trail and the sidewalks and I see playgrounds and I see kids playing and I see trees that are placed in, in specific spots, like people did that. Or when I go into the city and I see the, the beautiful architecture of these incredible buildings or I walk, dude, you walk into Disney World for the first time and you see like Cinderella's castle and, you just, and you're like my wife and you just start going... <laughs> Literally every single time she walks into Disney World, she does that. People made that, but that's okay. Check this out. This is, this is so cool. In Exodus, this is, this, is, this is talking to people who were building the tabernacle. So they're building this first portable church, this portable tent that was for the presence of God. But God gave these specific instructions for what he wanted it to look like. And then it went beyond that because it says this, that the Lord has given them, the people who are building it, the Lord's given them special skills as engravers, designers, embroiders, and blue, purple, and scarlet thread on fine linen cloth and weavers. And they excel as craftsmen, as designers. Because get this, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then he created man and woman in his own image. And you know what men and women do like God? They create things. They make stuff. God made us to make stuff. And when we make stuff, we're reflecting the beauty and the character of who God is. And we can appreciate the stuff that people make. And they don't even have to be Christians to make it because we're all crafted in the image of God. Something that I really experienced, God, I've always experienced God um, through, through the arts, right? And like, I mean, at Comic-Con, we're walking up and down these booths, and you got all of these artists who are trying to sell the stuff that they've made. And I'm like, dang, look at that picture of Wolverine. That's incredible. How did he do that? It's amazing. It's incredible. And like, my mind is blown. And I'm like, oh my gosh, God, you're amazing. You made us to create these things. I've always experienced God through music, like always. And like, this is weird. I don't know, but like... Like, put in something that is just, like, metal all day, and I'm like, yeah, it's just like, God, you're, you're a metal God, you know? And, and I know that, like, some of us are like, oh, God, you're so dope, you're a hip-hop God, you know, whatever it is, but, like, music, no, but nobody ever said God's a country God. God said, no, I will not. <laughs> no. <laughs> I love Jesus, yes, I do. No. God says, no. I'm just kidding. You can like country. You can experience him any way you want because God made us to experience him through things that people have created. And there's music. That, I'm not talking like music that some Christian sat down and said, I need to write a song about Jesus. I'm talking about someone who's just like, man, my life is terrible right now. And they would just craft this melody in these parts. And I listen to it and I'm like, it's so complex and it's so beautiful. And I can feel what they're trying to do. And I'm like, God, you're so amazing. This is weird, but like I experience God through movies and books and just there's something about storytelling that, that helps me experience God. And when I was, when I was in my 20s and the, whole, the Harry Potter books came out, like I don't know if you were a church person, but like basically the, Harry Potter was heresy. And so I had to read it in like my closet with a candle. <laughs> like, Nobody find me. I'm going to go to hell. But I read the Harry Potter books. And you know what? Like as I read those books, like there's this 
Harry Potter was just a baby, right? And like, he who must not be named, Voldemort, like comes to kill Harry Potter because he knows, whatever. And, but he comes to kill him. And Harry's mom dives in front of this curse that's supposed to kill Harry Potter. And she takes the curse instead of Harry and it kills her. And, and she gave her life to protect her son. And, and he's marked with this lightning bolt on his head. And, like, and that lightning bolt is like not only the scar, but it's a symbol of his mother's love. And like you learn from the books that the true magic, the most powerful magic, has nothing to do with all the spells and stuff they do in Harry Potter. But the most powerful magic was the magic that his mother passed on to him because she loved him so much that she was willing to lay down her life for him. And I remember reading that and I'm like, that's the stinking gospel. And I read the Harry Potter books and I'm like, it's Jesus and it's what he did for me. And that dude, I'm getting excited right now. I just, I'm stoked by that stuff, right? And I don't know, maybe it's the Matrix or the Muppets or whatever it is for you, but like, I'm telling you, we can experience God through the things that people create because we all bear with us. We're image bearers of God. And you could be, the people who are the farthest away from God are still deep in the, the, you know, darkest corners of their soul, crying out for connection with the creator in the art that they make. And there's something powerful about that. And you can seek God in those things. It's obvious that that's probably one of my favorite ones. So boom, there you go. All right, number five. This one's kind of cool too. If you want to find a way to seek God, it starts with uh, having a posture and attitude of seeking God with our heart and with our mind. But dude, number five, work at something that you enjoy. Have a hobby and do it. This is what Colossians 3 says. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Now, I love the word whatever because do you know what whatever means? It means whatever, okay? And so, like, do you like mowing the yard? Dude, go seek God and mow the yard. Go do that unto him, and you can experience his presence. Like, you want to sit in your room all day and strum guitar even though you suck, and everybody, nobody else wants to hear it? That's fine. You don't have to be good. It doesn't say work, work whatever you do unto the Lord, but be good at it. It just says whatever you enjoy, do it, and you can experience God's presence. It doesn't even matter what, what it is. What's cool about this one, too, is that, like, we experience, I experience God through other people's art, and you may experience God through other people's art, but you can experience God by making it. Maybe you're a photographer, a graphic designer, you know, painter, whatever. You can experience God through the act of creation. But it also means this. Do you like fixing cars? You can go experience God in your garage today when you leave this place every bit as much as you can experience God's presence sitting in these seats with us. Now, I'm not diminishing the power of connecting with God with other people, but I'm telling you that when you when you just, your hobby, your job, whatever it is that you enjoy doing with your hands or with your mind, if you set that aside and you purpose in your heart to seek after God and to, to set your mind and your heart on him when you do those things, then work can become a delight and it can become a joy. I mean, you can seek God by just doing stuff, working at stuff that you enjoy and you know, there's a bunch of ladies who are like, well, I hope my husband enjoys taking care of our landscaping and mowing the yard because it's going to rain this week. So do it. All right, number six. And this is the last one. And this one is a pretty big one too, okay? We probably started this with the two big ones, reading God's word. And I think this one is also very big. And that's this, is that we can seek after God and seek his face when we look for evidence of his grace in others. There's power in stories. There's power in the stories that people make up and create. But there's so much more power in our story. 
There's power in your story about what God has done in your life and in the story of what he's done in the lives of others. First John chapter one, it says this, and this is, this is John again, Jesus' friend, and he says, we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard. I'm telling you something that was my experience, okay? This happened to us. And I'm telling it to you so that you may have fellowship with us. I'm telling you this because I want, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have fellowship with you. I want us to be connected. And our fellowship is with the Father. So I want you to have relationship and fellowship with us because I want you to have relationship and fellowship with God. That's why I'm telling you what our experience was. We're writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. When you share in the stories of what God is doing in someone else's life, you begin to experience the joy of that story that didn't even happen to you. But as you share it with someone else, as you share this evidence of God's grace from someone else's life, it's almost as if it becomes the evidence of God's grace in your life. There's power in our testimony. In fact, the scripture tells us that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimonies by our stories. Our stories may be the most powerful thing that we have in our arsenal to be overcomers in this world. The story of what God has done in us. And when we seek out these things, the stories of God, the evidence of God's grace in other people's lives, it builds our faith. When I hear about what God did for you, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And when I tell you about what God's done in me, we may have different experiences, different backgrounds. We may have different personalities and styles and all of those things. But when I hear what God did in your life, it gets me pumped. And it helps me to know that I have a God who wants me to know him. That there's a God who wants me to see him. There's a God who wants to have eye contact with me. And when I hear your story, right, when I spend time in, in God's word, when I, when I just spend time in the things that God created or and I appreciate what God has gifted us to create as well, when I spend time with other people who love God, it doesn't even matter what we're doing, but when I spend time with other people who love God and then iron sharpens iron and, and God's presence is there, all of the obstacles that keep me from seeing God start to move away. And it's funny when I sit across the table just hearing about what God's doing in someone's life and it's all, it's like that person scoots aside and it's like, I see God and he's like, gotcha. Or I'm walking on the trail and I see, the, you know, the trees blowing and the creek blowing and it's like, and the leaves might blow apart and it's like God going, see, there you are. That's how he moves. That's how he works in our lives. He wants to be found by you. And honestly, seeking God is less about finding God and it's more about positioning ourselves where we can be found by God. He's ready, he's waiting, he wants to know you. He wants you to experience him. And there's this incredible passage, I'm gonna share one more verse with you, um, that I think is the, is the last word on this. Proverbs 8:17 says this, this is God talking to you, okay? This is God speaking directly to you. I love those who love me and those who seek me, find me. When we were at Comic-Con, we were at these panels and there were celebrities there. And, and here's what was interesting is even though we're sitting in this panel with Zachary Levi, hearing all these incredible stories, and he's, he's a celebrity, he's up there. And we're at Jeff Goldblum telling his stories. He's been around for you know, decades and telling all these funny, incredible stories. Do, do you know that we left both of those panels early before they were done. Like, as exciting as it was to be in proximity to these celebrities, 
there's a point at which I was looking at my watch going, well, there's a costume contest downstairs, and I probably don't want to miss that. And, uh, yeah, we definitely want to beat the crowd. And we left early. And the reason we left early is because proximity will never replace presence. And people walk away from God. All, there's followers of Jesus who walk away from God all the time. And the reason they do has nothing to do with the fact that God does not love them and that God has not set them free and forgiven them of their sins and that God has not done a transformative work in their lives. The reason followers of Jesus walk away from God all the time is because they've mistaken proximity for presence. And they sit in a service and they think, this is supposed to move me. This is supposed to do do something for me. This is supposed to be the change. When they don't feel anything, when they don't get goosebumps, when their life doesn't automatically get better, they think, well, maybe I need to go to another church. Maybe I need to move on to a different experience. Maybe I need to, maybe there's, maybe this is just not it. And you, you know, like I said, you may be here not a follower of Jesus, and it's the same for you. You're seeking, you're trying to understand who God is. And you've put yourself in all sorts of environments where where God's presence is supposed to be. These contexts where you're supposed to experience God, but you just, you don't. And I'm telling you. Proximity can't replace actual presence. And just like us sitting at Comic-Con, hearing movie stars telling us about their lives, in the same way that it's just easy for us to just walk out in the middle of them talking, it's easy for you to walk away from God when you mistake proximity for the true presence of God. Set your hearts, set your minds on seeking Him. And do it with others. Do it outside in nature. Do it reading his word. Just do it in in your hobbies and in your activities. But do it with a heart that has its affection set on God and a mind that's focused on knowing him and being close to him first. And I'm telling you, just like he says, he will love those who love him. And those who seek him will find him. Let me pray for you, Lord. I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, God, that you are not hiding from us God, I'm so grateful that that the idea that we have to work to prove ourselves to you so that you will reveal yourself to us is an absolute and total myth. God, that you are not some Bigfoot hiding in the forest waiting for us to discover you, but that you are a God waiting for us to turn our eyes to you. And I pray, God, that you would help us in this moment to begin to make the eye contact with you that we desperately need and that we desperately want And that we would truly experience not just the general presence of a God who is around everywhere, but the real manifested presence of a relational God who is there with us in the moment. That God, you would connect us to you in relationship. That you would correct our vision. Father, I pray this, that you would shrink the size of the room that we are in together so that it's just you and me every day and that I walk hand in hand with a God who loves me, who wants to be found by me and has a a genuine, loving, and practical life that I can walk knowing you every single day. God, I pray that you would help us to put aside all of the ideas of religion that maybe have tied us up and kept us from really experiencing you and knowing who you really are. And I pray that you would help us to know you in truth because you are awesome. And today, God, whether we go outside and mow the yard, walk on a trail, paint a picture, watch a great movie, or just hang out with friends, I pray that it would all be done with a heart of setting our minds on you 
and that without a doubt, we leave each and every single one of those experiences having experienced the presence of a God who is right there with us, looking us right in the eyes because you love us and you are with us and you're for us. And I pray it all in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com. 